0: Chapter twenty four of Under Boy Scout Colors by Joseph Bushnell Ames. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter twenty four The Missing Scout. What the mischief is the matter with you demanded Tompkins, rubbing his head where it had come into violent contact with the floor? A snake! palpitated Vader from the entrance of the tent to which he had fled. THERE'S A SNAKE IN MY BED." "'You're crazy with heat, Puffy,' exclaimed Ranny Phillips forcibly. "'How could a snake get into your bunk?' "'It's there, just the same,' panted Vader, his eyes bulging. "'When I put my feet down, they hit against something cold and and slimy that squirmed about. Ugh! "'If I hadn't got out so quick, it would have bit me sure as anything.' you look and see if you don't believe me by this time the camp was astir as ranny took the lantern and went over to vader's bunk several boys from neighboring tents crowded in to see what was up when they learned the nature of the rumpus they were vastly more excited than the other occupants of tent three who seemed strangely unaffected by the situation hanged if there isn't something here said ranny in a puzzled tone looking down on the blankets get a couple of sticks fellows and some of you hold down the edges of the blankets so it can't get out court parker turned his back suddenly and choked oddly tompkins face was flushed and twitching but the newcomers obeyed the order with enthusiasm and two of them darting out returned in a few moments with a couple of crab nets and the heavy butt of a fishing rod Meanwhile, Ranny and several others had drawn the blankets taut across the bunk, revealing an irregular bulge down near the foot that certainly moved slightly. Everybody hit together when I give the word, said Ranny. One, two, three. The sticks descended with vigor, and there was a violent wriggling and thrashing about beneath the blankets, but the blows came thick and fast, and in a moment or two, all movement ceased i guess it's dead whatever it is said randy just as mr reed and mr curtis appeared behind vader still standing prudently in the background let's open it up and have a look as he turned down the blankets the boys gripped their sticks tighter ready for instant action in case the reptile was not quite dead but when a final twitch exposed the cause of the commotion there was a moment's silence, followed by a united exclamation of surprise and disappointment. Why, it's nothing but an eel. Instantly a yell of laughter went up. Parker and several other occupants of the tent rolled on their bunks in paroxysms of delight. The two scoutmasters, smiling broadly, slipped away. Vader, jaws agape, stared at Ranny as if unable to believe his hearing. "'An eel!' he gasped. "'That's all,' grinned Ranny. "'You've got the whole camp stirred up over a blooming eel instead of a snake.' The fat boy's teeth came together with a click, and with face flaming he flounced over to his bunk. "'You fellows put it there!' he accused angrily. "'Oh, never!' chuckled Frank Sanson. "'I'll bet it got fond of you, like the crabs.' And climbed up there to make friends. And now they've gone and smashed the poor thing all up and A roar of laughter drowned his words, and Vader, grabbing up the eel, flung it square at his tormentor. But Frank ducked, and the slimy missile flew past his head, to land with a thud on the sand outside. A moment later the sound of taps sent everybody scurrying for his bunk. But for some time after lights were out, Subdued giggles could be heard from all parts of the camp. For at least an hour next morning, Vader was very dignified and offish, but he was too easy-going to maintain a grudge very long, and before dinner he had become his comfortable smiling self again. It was noticed, however, that during the remainder of his stay in camp he pointedly ignored the entire race of snakes, eels, and kindred reptiles the athletic meet was a great success the scouts were divided according to weight into juniors and seniors and there was keen competition in the running jumping and swimming events but great as was the interest excited it seemed excelled the following afternoon when the crowd set out to resume their hunt for the lost copper mine this was both a competition and a fascinating mystery and a good many besides the members of tent three had apparently fallen victims to the spell. When they reached the starting point and separated, Ranny and his bunch lost no time in heading for the old foundation. A little digging opened up what seemed to have been the main entrance to the building. But searched as they might, they failed to find anything that in the least resembled a road or path or tramway leading to the mine entrance. Evidently the means by which ore was formerly brought to the smelter had been obliterated by the passing years and it looked as if they would have to proceed from this point more or less at random it can't be so very far off said ranny as they lined up before him we'd better take the hillside first and remember to look over every foot of ground the entrance may have been covered by a fall of rock so we can't count on finding it open keep about the same distance apart as you were the other day and whistle if you strike anything promising they set out promptly dale tompkins as before being about the middle of the line with court parker on his right the thick undergrowth and the rocks piled up in confusion made progress necessarily slow and prevented him from seeing very far in any direction but every now and then the rustling of leaves or the cracking of dead twigs underfoot on either side told dale that he was keeping on the right course for over an hour, he searched systematically, zigging back and forth along his beat and examining the ground carefully. The slope grew steeper, and at length he paused to wipe the perspiration from his forehead. The sound of footfalls on his right was plainly audible, and through the undergrowth he glimpsed a khaki-clad figure. "'Say Quart!' he called, raising his voice slightly. "'Found anything yet?' "'It's not Court." came back in frank sanson's familiar tones what the dickens are you doing so far over tommy did you change places why no dale's voice was puzzled instinctively he moved toward the other boy i've been keeping right along the way i started he went on as they came face to face court was on this side then sure he was on my left i haven't seen him for half an hour or more "'but I kept hearing him every now and then. "'You don't suppose he could have strayed over behind you "'and on to the other side? "'I don't see how. "'I'd have heard him, wouldn't I?' "'For a moment or so, "'the two boys stood looking at one another "'in a puzzled fashion. "'It's funny,' said Sanson at length. "'He wouldn't have gone back, either. "'If he would found something, he'd have whistled. "'Let's call and see if he's over the other way.' "'Tompkins nodded and together they walked briskly back a few steps. But it was Ranny Phelps who answered their hail, and in a few moments they saw him coming toward them through the brush. "'What's up?' he asked quickly. "'You haven't found.' "'No, it's Court,' interrupted Tompkins. "'He started out between Frank and me. "'But he must have got mixed up somehow, for we can't find him. "'We thought he might be over your way.' "'I haven't seen him,' said Ranny briefly. He hesitated an instant, and then, pursing up his lips, whistled shrilly. "'Best way's to get them all together and straighten things out,' he went on. "'If he's off his beat, the chances are that part of the ground isn't being looked over at all. This way, fellows.' Bob Gibson was the first to hurry up. Then came Trexler, Benny Reed, and lastly Vader, panting with his haste. But Parker was not among them nor did ranny's repeated whistling bring sight or sound of the missing boy none of the others had seen him since leaving the old foundation and as they stood there puzzled and a bit anxious tompkins suddenly remembered that for some little time before the meeting with sanson he had failed to hear the rustlings on his right that had kept him aware of court's presence at the time it had seemed unimportant but now he made haste to mention it Benny, you chase back to the smelter and see if he's there by any chance, ordered Randy crisply. When Dale was finished, the rest of us get in a close line and beat back along Court's territory. I can't imagine anything happening to him that Tompkins or Sanson wouldn't hear or know about. Unless, of course, it's a joke. His jaw squared in a way that boded ill for the volatile Courtland, if this should prove to be one of his familiar escapades but somehow tompkins did not believe that this could be the explanation court had been too keenly enthusiastic about the search to delay it by senseless horseplay though he no more than ranny could think of any accident which would render the boy unconscious without his making a sound of any sort dale took his place in the line with a feeling of distinct uneasiness so close together that they could almost touch each other's outstretched hands, the scouts started down the slope. There was little conversation, for by this time all were more or less worried. Just where they expected to find the missing boy would have been hard to tell, but a rabbit could scarcely have escaped their close scrutiny of bush and rock and thorny tangle. It was fifteen minutes or so before they came to a giant rock that thrust its lichen bulk up from the forest mold at least that was what it seemed at first a single flat-topped mass of stone ten or twelve feet through and about as high but passing close to one side Tompkins and sanson discovered that it was split in two pieces one of which had fallen away from the other just enough to leave a jagged crack not more than three feet wide between them a spreading mass of laurel screened the opening from any but the closest inspection and as he pushed this to one side dale gave a sudden start and stared intently at the ground beneath it look at that he exclaimed turning to frank who was close behind the latter pressed forward and glanced over his shoulder what oh you mean gee didn't you break it off no Dale's heart was beating unevenly as he bent to pick up the tiny broken twig. There were three branches on it, as fresh and green as those on the parent bush. The broken end showed white and living. He met Sanson's glance and, dropping the twig, stepped into the jagged crevasse. A moment later he gave a smothered cry. At his feet lay a scout hat of brown felt a few inches beyond yawned a black hole the leaves and mould and rotten branches around its edges scuffed and torn and freshly broken End of chapter twenty four